Hum, not drum. Hum, not drum. Hi there. Welcome to the Hum Not Drum podcast, the ongoing series where I talk to people that are interesting and have interesting things to say about life and work and whatever comes up really. Today I'm delighted to be talking to Alex Barber and Emily Judah of Common Good Company. We talk about real life in agencies that we've worked in. We also talk about stuff that's been going on in our head that maybe we didn't talk about while we were working there. And also some of the things that agencies can focus on now that the world is opening up to help their people and themselves ultimately to be more prepared and more successful. So take a listen, hope you enjoy it and let us know what you think. Okay, so here we are with Alex Barber and Emily Judah from Common Good Company. How are you doing, guys? Good, thank you. Very really good. You? Great. Nice to chat to you. And let's get into the full disclosure. So Alex and I used to work together at Iris. And Alex and Emily got together when you were doing a course, right? Which led to the foundation of the business. Yes. We met when we were doing our coach training course. And our husbands used to work together. And we had this shared background of 10 years each in the ad industry. So we started as peer support, really, for each other during this coach training. We would have a monthly call we realized that we had a lot of shared values and a lot of the work that we were talking about wanting to do was overlapping Mm -hmm. um, and came from the same place. So we kind of tentatively at first, I think, started talking about working together and that has formed the Common Good Company. Sounds amazing. So it's like a shared background, a shared connection and a shared worldview and a shared passion. Yeah, quite right. It's funny, isn't it, though? Because, you know, we've known each other for a relatively short period of time. Mm. I mean, the amount of video calls we must have had, there to imagine. It's amazing, really. 18 months ago feels like an awful long time ago now. Well, it does, doesn't it? And things have changed uh, so much for so many people. The first time we met, actually, we we bumped into each other by accident, yeah. didn't we, in Tooting, on Tooting Common. We are kind of both out for walks with kids and friends and all the rest of it and, yeah. and um happened to bump into you outside of the the cafe on tooting common when one of your children had managed to face plant into a massive muddy yeah. puddle so. it was one of those times that it's not it's not really when you'd want to bump into somebody because <laughs> I, I think i was also i think i'd been like looking at my phone not really concentrating on what my children were doing and then i heard this like yelp and my daughter had face planted and was covered <laughs> in mud from top to bottom and then alex was like emily and i was like Oh hi, um, and then I was like, and then straight basically, I had to be like, "Do you have any tissues?" Yeah. Um, to wipe down my muddy child. I'm normally much better at parenting than this. Exactly, of all of yeah. that, and then you're also trying to come across like in control of situations. Yeah, which I'm sure is a common thing that lots of people will will definitely identify with. So Common Good Company, what's the deal? What's the mission? We're here to provide support to agency talent. We are firm believers that the industry and agencies particularly can be great places to work and to have really kind of fulfilling careers. But the stats around employee burnout and employee churn, not just because of the pandemic, I should say, before that, frankly, are crazy. Something like three times that of the the industry average. Right. And we think that there is a, a real pressing need not just on a on an individual basis to support these people, but 
for businesses, right? You know, we're talking about businesses whose, whose IP is their creativity, right? That's their product. Hmm. And if you're churning through talent at that crazy rate of knots, it's, it's, you know, it's having an effect. So we are there basically to draw on our 20 odd years of agency experience and now as professional coaches to provide that support and that training in areas that are kind of expected of you to deliver in your role, but aren't shown necessarily. Another way I've been thinking about it, we, we're essentially, we've essentially created the support that we wished we would have had. Ah, okay. So we're talking about coaching and training for individuals as well as business. Yeah, we're there to provide support to the next generation of agency talent or next generation of agency leadership. So the people who are some way through their career, but at the point now where more is being asked of them as future leaders, more is Sure. So you're working with agency leaders and the next wave of agency talent to try and reduce churn? Absolutely. So I think that the ambition is that after we've gone, the kind of program of work, so to speak, doesn't end at that point. Through the work that we're doing with the talent within the agencies, that those behaviours live on. They become frameworks that are kind of more embedded in the way that the agency operates. Okay. So it's not like it suddenly turns off. We've gone. That was a nice experience. It's about kind of changing the, uh, I guess, the mindset and approach to ways of working uh, to some degree. Let's talk about churn in agencies. Now, I too have spent time in an advertising and marketing agency, uh, quite a lot of time, over 20 years. And in that time, I've seen a lot of change. And yes, there is a lot of change in the people around you. It's a bit like a constant. In terms of churn, is this just not part of the the industry and, and part of what people sign up for, do you think? There's a certain amount of it is to be expected. And I think to a certain degree, there's, there's a, a kind of a healthy amount of change, right? Mm. It keeps us as individuals challenged and motivated in ways and things like that. So by no means are we, are we saying, right, agencies now, you've got your, you know, 100-odd staff, that's it now. <laughs> you're, you're to never leave. But I think uh, when you look at the reasons people are moving about, that's where you start to uncover the, the, the real issues. Okay. So what do you see as some of those reasons that you think, and, and from what you've said, that could be avoidable for agencies because i i guess what we're talking about is keeping keeping hold of the right talent i think we're seeing a lot of people at the moment coming out of the last 18 months and they are if not already then close to burnt out and they've felt the pressure and they are they're looking for a a different environment whether that's an environment that they feel kind of more comfortable in safer in whatever i think the danger though is that there's that old the old saying right grass is always greener people people move on and inevitably they're faced with similar challenges in the same sort of environment your question about isn't churn to be expected yeah like of course there's a level of churn to be expected but that this whole stat around 30 percent higher turnover of staff being 30 percent higher and that was in may 2018 which obviously is pre-pandemic so that isn't to be expected and it's okay to look at that and be like okay what can we do differently and what can we do better what is the opportunity here if we weren't losing those staff how could we be better what would we be able to do how would those people feel yeah 
if they felt that this was a place where the issues that they were facing were being looked at. Yeah, I think I'm getting the picture. And and to input from my experience, I feel like I've moved as a result of something that I'm dissatisfied with that maybe I haven't fully expressed. You're kind of starting to hit upon perhaps the way you're you feel your career is being supported yeah and i think that's a, that's a big part of it certainly i've had uh, points in my career where i feel like my career is getting the right level of uh, attention and and, okay. and support and said so, yeah exactly you know whether that's from my manager or just generally from from the agency so it's at the place where what you're thinking you want and what you think the agency wants aren't in sync with each other yeah, I mean that that might lead us down a, I guess a, a different path in terms of where your where your values are, where your your and your agency values meet or don't. Mm. And in fact, the the kind of broader question, perhaps around like, does an agency really understand what its purpose, what its values are really all about? We've all been in agencies where there are great lines written on the wall, but but scratch at the surface, and they you know they quickly sort of peel off, and and there's not a lot yeah. behind them, right? And and I think that a lot of people they won't stand by that anymore. Uh, they they will interrogate that, and if it doesn't feel like they align with their values, then their the motivation isn't there, the interest, the desire isn't there. So I think that's I think it's a really big thing, frankly. Uh, an agency then is a they're often very dynamic places. They need to be dynamic, don't they? And they need to be busy and delivery focused. We that's that's how we need to work. And it sounds to me that there's maybe a group of people that might be feeling impatient that things aren't going as as quickly for them rightly or wrongly and there's a conversation to be had there there might be also some other people that are just brilliant at their jobs but don't have the burning ambition to climb the ladder so to speak and might start to feel a bit invisible perhaps because all the focus is on the the shining stars and those names that regularly get repeated in connection with great feats of of work. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think we've all experienced that, have we not? Like you know, when you're in the meetings and it's the same voices you're hearing over and over again, and it's the same people that are presenting at the agency meetings and the same people that are standing up shouting about the work from their accounts, and yet they're uh, they're not everyone, right? This is part of it as well. Is it's looking at what what works for individuals what like what's the thing that motivates individuals because it's going to be different Mm. because sometimes somebody is going to be motivated by standing up and having the the room looking at them other people are going to be motivated by the client email that goes you know you managed that really well thanks so much so it's it's things like that as well like we talked about values, but it's also kind of for people and individuals to connect into what they find motivating and also where that fits into a kind of wider wider team. So I think that's really interesting. And if I've understood you correctly, it's understanding that not everybody fits the same mold, the same mold and is motivated by the same things. And perhaps in agencies, we're all looking up at the leadership that's espousing one particular t- type of motivation and drive but there are many others to explore that could engage people in a in a better way you're at a point in your career where you're looking to push forward you're looking for a promotion perhaps and you're asked to it's like yeah you're, you're doing great you know relationships with the clients are really good you've delivered some really good work 
now you've really got to PR yourself within the agency, <laughs> really got to raise your profile in the agency. Yeah. You, know, you know, when it comes to the, uh, the results of the next campaign, make sure you're on the front foot in sending that email out to the all staff, send, send it out worldwide. Let's try and get you up at the next agency show. For a lot of people, that is, and quite understandably, feels deeply cringeworthy, but also shouldn't be the marker or even a missing piece, frankly, of what's required to get forward in in your career yeah uh, i appreciate that you know in in some ways it might demonstrate to people that you are happy and confident to to present it shouldn't be everything and sometimes it feels like that is it's used um far too much and it's sort of over yeah. the agency leadership can't notice that work is good just because work is good it's got to be seen publicly for it to be real yeah although i'm, I'm not sure whether or not it's about the work being seen frankly I think it's about I think it's about in order to get somewhere you have to be able to behave in a certain way and you have to be seen to be the one that can strut the stuff and you know have that kind of it's a very uh, typically a very male thing yeah uh and and I think I ju- I I I think it's just sort of it's it's been there yeah. back through the history of mm-hmm. advertising yeah okay and and referring back to a previous podcast sophie lewis talked quite a bit about or at least i think she did in the podcast about competence versus confidence there's a a fine line there perhaps so the the people that are very confident which alex i agree is quite a perhaps a male characteristic um uh, are they always the most competent and the competent people are they almost the most confident but by making everybody be confident you're immediately disadvantaging those that would rather appear in a different way yeah yeah absolutely I th- and i also just touching on that competence confidence point because i think that's uh, that's really important the danger is if you are encouraged and rewarded on the basis of your confidence alone you start to form a kind of skewed perspective over your your own ability and your own standing within the agency and i know this from my own experience Mm. as someone who at least projects an air of confidence a lot of the time yeah important to note it's not necessarily true i think confidence is a fascinating subject because someone can appear to be really confident but that in itself can be a a tool that they use (laughs) but i think back to my point is that there's a unless those two things are in in balance or working together then you can get a real fright later down the line in your career and come unstuck. Yeah, okay. So I can share a little bit here because then I think also maybe, Alex, we share some similar characteristics and I come across as extroverted and and confident. But I, I definitely have had quite a lot of imposter syndrome in my own head. And for maybe some quite significant times in my career I was uh, waiting to be found out but felt that I had to keep playing the game because that was the game that you you had to play I had it a slightly different experience um probably because of of sort of who I am in a way but Hmm. and I constantly got um, consistently got told through my career that I needed to kind of PR myself and but I I couldn't really get on board with that um 
it didn't feel to me, it didn't come at all naturally to me. And I just thought I would far rather focus on the job that I've got to do than this kind of area of PRing in a way. So and maybe didn't job- feel authentic or didn't feel that it fitted f- for you? Definitely. It didn't, it definitely didn't feel authentic to me. And as such, it didn't feel like something I could, I wanted to do. So I just felt like, right, I'll focus on the job and that will, that's, that's, that's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to worry about PR in myself, essentially. Yeah. Um, So that is, that is how I, what I did through most of my career. And, And how did that go for you? I mean, I, I think I was lucky because I think I did, I worked with a lot of people who saw that and recognised me in spite of me not PRing myself. So so it actually, I have to say, it, it worked fine. And it was something I almost felt like I need, it was, I needed to do that. Like I needed to have confidence in the the work that I was doing and the way I approached projects and accounts in order to exude confidence. So therefore I made sure that I had that confidence, which was through the, the work that I did, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, that that does. And I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about uh, it's a different approach and probably one that one that I admire very, very well, because it's quite different from wh- where I would approach it, which would be to use confidence and to perhaps go in and and talk it out rather than always back it up i can think of some i can think of many meetings where it probably would have been super handy to have somebody like you sat next to me for that meeting to make a more balanced uh case for 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 something Mm, yeah yeah and I I feel the same in 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 the reverse in a sense as well because I used to look at people who could just sort of come in and like talk the talk and then leave the room and be like you know that that's that's a skill in itself as well yeah and I think it's it's really interesting isn't it because I think uh we walk around with this with this view that to be senior and to be that sort of superstar you've got to be able to do both and i don't I, i'm not sh- i'm not sure that that's true now actually and it's more about how do you get yourself in the right in the right team to have the right blend on an account mm. and how do you identify and i i suppose a bit like maybe Alex and I, where we would carry on and and sort of not speak about this kind of stuff. Were you sort of equally as quiet about your your feelings? Because it sounded like you were under pressure to PR yourself mm-hmm. because that's what was maybe expected. So it must have been a bit of a pressure. Yeah, and it was. I think I think two things probably happened. One is that as I progressed through my career, I grew in confidence. So that was a kind of natural progression, but I have never been, I never was the person who wanted to run into and lead the new business pitch, new business presentation. And I think if I'm brutally honest, I probably like ducked and dived new business pitches a little bit, not because I didn't want to do the work for the pitch, but because that wasn't the environment I enjoyed. The environment that I enjoyed was the really building the relationships with long-term clients and 
Yeah. I worked on clients for a good few years at a time because that's, I really liked growing those clients. If I had have felt confident to say, you know, actually, I really don't like pitching. Can I just not? Yeah. Without thinking that to get to certain levels, I needed to be somebody who did do yeah. that. And I think that's something that we're, we're kind of talking about a bit here too, isn't it? Like, how can you create environments where individuals can thrive and be open and honest about the things that drive and motivate them rather than thinking that they need to be all things to everyone. Yeah, I have some similarity to you, I think, in my in my character because I, I too would not particularly relish the idea of a pitch in the way that perhaps I felt others would. I, I felt that they it was quite scary in some senses and I'd I'd rather not I wanted to be the relationship person but I felt also that to vocalize that would be sort of quite an unsafe thing to do for my uh, career and so there's this tension point isn't there where what you're thinking inside and what you're that the, the moves that you're making are in conflict with one another. Yeah, exactly. And that's why there's something that someone called Amy Edmondson talks about, psychological safety. And that's essentially creating a climate where people are feel safe and comfortable to express and, and be themselves. So that's kind of comfortable sharing mistakes and concerns without worry of either embarrassment or kind of retribution. Um, and I think like retribution sounds like this terrible word, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? But the retribution could be that fear that we had, which or that I had, which was like, oh, well, if I say I don't love pitching, will that affect how? Yeah, re- retribution might be being overlooked. Exactly. Or, um, yeah. you know, lo- losing in some way. And I think I, I definitely, yeah, I, I think I definitely was overlooked. Um, and, and then that can breed sort of anger and, and resentment and these things bubble over don't they and when you find you come to talk about them you're in an emotional state rather than in a comfortable state talking about the skills that you bring you're you're focusing on what you you haven't got or what you think you've been uh denied perhaps yeah and i think that's why and again this is something in that kind of psychological safety idea around candor if you can create an environment where it's possible for discussion and disagreement expression of concerns and ideas there's a there's a lot to be gained i think individually and collectively yeah i think so it it might maybe it might lead to a situation where in that crucial meeting that's crucial for the business crucial for the client crucial for the agency maybe it's a it's a tag team of skills and it's uh you know characters like you and i being in the meeting to make sure that we've covered all the mm. angles and it's not just a, a sort of a clambering of everyone grabbing an opportunity to speak and and obviously not not all meetings are like that but maybe there are a few that could do with that that balance to you know to give to give us uh both of us confidence in that sense that we're with people that complement our skills and we support each other. I just um, read an article last week that uh, Vicky Maguire said something, which I just thought was just such a 
amazing statement really which is if you're an extrovert i'll find you a stage if you're an introvert i'll find you a corner mm. yes during lockdown i suppose as well i also heard people talking about you know this is the 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 introverts revenge for mm-hmm. the open plan office that they've been in for mm-hmm. for so long and I, I i don't think it's quite like that but i i definitely think it's really positive to try and get people to focus on where their energy comes from and being uh, being aware of that it sounds to me that this concept of psychological safety that you've brought up is a key one for agencies to confront perhaps and that's quite a difficult thing to do but uh, creating an environment where people can say I don't feel that comfortable about the way this is going or I feel a bit like this is out of control can you help me is something that would be useful exactly I and it's I I find such an interesting thing isn't it because what you've just said is so simple in in a sense isn't it but it's so powerful to be able to do that and to actually again on a like if you take an example of being worried about a project let's say and taking that worry on yourself and thinking it's not going to work i'm gonna i'm gonna fail what does that do to you as the individual we we i don't have to probably go into the detail we know how it feels probably yeah for, from an agency or a project perspective, somebody raising that and having the, the safety, in a sense, to talk about that, it reduces the chances of mistakes and things going wrong because people feel able to share their thoughts and yeah. share their concerns openly. Yeah. Another piece of amazing overshare from me coming up Um I went through quite a few years of my career where I believed quite significantly that I was some kind of bad luck totem for pieces of business, that uh, I would go to work on a piece of business and then I would see it decline. I don't know how much evidence I really had for that looking back on it now, but it felt really quite strong at the time. And I think it definitely did affect some of my decision making or some of the, oh, well, I mean, this was what was always going to happen anyway, a sort of fatalistic element in it. And I don't think I ever really talked to anybody about that because it just didn't seem like anyone would um, be (laughs) be interested. And it also didn't seem like the sort of thing that one should should be talking about in the environment that I was in, which was a dynamic and thrusting, successful agency. Yeah. And if you talk about Alex talking about that brand, you know, you're kind of trying to project your own image in a way, aren't you? Mm. Absolutely. And it's, well, no, no, it's right. And the points are linked. I think because you are working in this environment where you are, you're creating brands you're creating brand images you're telling stories about brands all the time we end up doing that for ourselves unconsciously right Mm. we're we're building these profiles in fact sometimes consciously you know in the example of your manager asking you you've got to build your profile you've got to get yourself out there that you're you're so concerned about and preoccupied about how other people are viewing you and where you where you fit within the mix and the agency and how you're how you're presenting yourself that 
you lose all opportunity to to be open about it for fear of coming across as fallible which is which is mental isn't it because the last you know well, the last 12 18 months has shown us is that good leaders are fallible yeah, yeah. if we didn't know already good leader leaders will demonstrate that yeah. you know they feel and it hurts and all the rest of it yeah and i genuinely believed that it was only me that was feeling that bad because it's amazing how the brain filter can believe every negative thing that you think about yourself and also believe every positive thing that everybody else projects without mm. saying hold on a minute if i'm doing it maybe yeah. they're doing it too uh off the point of uh, that you were just making around um isn't it interesting how we buy into the positive things and don't really see ne see the perceived negatives of other people um i was walking over the bridge away from the office for, for the last time as he wipes a tear after i was made redundant last year and i bumped into a, to an old colleague of 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 ours, Julian and, mm. and ours, and our careers had sort of followed a, a fairly similar path and trajectory over the years. We worked together on the same teams. And um, we had a brief chat and he was saying, you know, really sorry you're gone and all the rest of it. And then he said, it's really strange because I'd always uh, used you as a reference point and you were, you were a motivator to me in my career in that way. And I thought in my head, I was not that confident person that this, that my colleague was seeing. Um, and and my career didn't feel as kind of stable and on the right trajectory as necessarily he was he was looking at it. So your experience is completely different to another person's yeah uh, perspective of you. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that lack of objectivity about yourself is a really limiting thing, especially if you're not engaged in regular conversations about your performance and how you're finding things in a company but if we were to think about this kind of uh, a more not a utopia but a a better environment a better place to work what would that what would that be characterized by what would it look like and and how would it feel i would answer that quite simply in a way i think that feeling when you know that you as a team are doing good work like that's that's it. It's that feeling, uh, and that's the point, isn't it? We're we're not we're not we're not trying to create something that doesn't exist. It does exist sometimes. We've all felt it, and 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 I guess we want we want that to be more of the time. Yeah, and and I guess also the other thing is that if we talk about it as highs and lows, like how can the lows be a little bit less low? How can yeah. we equip people? so that that low is, is not quite as low, perhaps. Um, and some of the things you were talking about that you didn't say and you carried around, turning it into more and more of a story in your own mind and it becoming, you know, infiltrating more and more parts of, oh, you're right, you know, you know you couldn't do that or whatever, that story, those sorts of things. Finding spaces and places where you can almost mm. share that and, and it can become... Yeah less of a less of a narrative and less of a weight and that would be through better communication probably in my case safer communication yes exactly where you feel it's okay mm. to show your vulnerability in a way which isn't easy. yeah I, I think that's it's, it's not it's simple it sounds simple but it's not no you're absolutely right it's not i i think it comes down to trust as well i think mm. you know 
we we could all do with more of that in our working lives to feel like we are trusted and also to trust others more i heard plenty of times all oh, just be careful careful with that person they've got a bit of a reputation just be careful it's bad in so many ways right uh, yeah. the fact that someone feels yeah. the need to tell me that the fact that someone might be like that the fact that i'm actually listening yeah. to it rather than forming my own opinion and i think yeah it can it can get quite toxic quite quickly yeah I think the other thing in your other podcast, one of the other podcasts, Julian, mm. you were talking, I think it was to Sophie, about the chat. And I was like, oh, God, I remember the chat. I loved the chat. And I think actually that's yeah. the other thing that this past, you know, 18 months with all this remote working, you don't get that. Well, we haven't had that so much. So, again, those kinds of you, it can kind of create narratives that aren't necessarily there because you don't get that, like, you might have a bit of a difficult email exchange yeah. or a difficult conversation, but then you meet in the hall and you're like, how was your lunch or whatever? And you know that it's okay and off it goes. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think there's a danger that these narratives that exist in your own head can can grow more quickly and, and uh, get out of control, perhaps, because if you've been isolated then that's the company that you've got isn't it your 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 brain um so yeah i mean i think that's that all makes that all makes sense i think so so in in a lot of ways what you're helping companies to do is to to help their people be more comfortable more of the time in what they're doing and particularly when that comes to communication about what they want or conflict or disagreement because i i don't recall i remember in my agency career going on about four presentation skills courses that i didn't feel i needed but i don't ever really remember going on one that was all about managing conflict or retaining your self-esteem um through some of the challenges that are going to come in your career you're right. I mean, there were the courses were very much focused on sort of performance. They seemed like if you if you if you got a chance to go on a sort of training course, it was about how do you get better at a certain thing that we can see results out of. I, I always come back to the sense of like, how could I have felt better equipped to navigate my career or just have a, a what I felt like was a more sustainable career? Because as I was getting towards the end of my my career in agency life. I was, I was feeling it like the stress. I was feeling the stress in a way I hadn't done before. And I and absolutely no doubt lacked certain skills, a certain amount of awareness to be able to cope with that as best I might. I look back on my career, my in agencies, and I wouldn't have been able, ready or necessarily up for doing my own thing three, four years ago. I was in a completely different place and motivated by different things um uh, and there are absolutely points in my career where if i were to have worked with someone or something like common good company it would have it would have benefited me in my career there and then um so i think i think it's natural for uh, perhaps some agency owners or um, agency leads to to think hang on a second if i invest in a coach in for my top talent are they not just going to become more of a flight risk? The the uncomfortable truth, I guess, is sometimes people work with a coach and will realize that they 
want mm. to move on to something else and it sort of galvanizes something within them and they go and go and do something more often than not though my experience is that what it does is it enables an understanding a greater awareness of yourself within that company that organization uh, your ability to add value to the company is is only greater as a result of it um and i think what i would would is would challenge back is to say that those people who were thinking about leaving would have been leaving yeah. at some point okay. um whether it was six months nine months two years down the line and you just have to kind of question how how much how invested they are and how how much value they and and you yeah. are getting from that experience i, th I think that's I really interesting what you've said and i think what what resonates with me is that yes your motivations change over time don't they they're not fixed they're not static they can surprise you perhaps in thing in the ways in which your life continues and i suppose if you're in an environment where you're comfortable talking about your ambitions and your fallibilities that might lead to a more uh, creative and fruitful conversation for both parties obviously each agency that you uh, have a conversation with is different that has different challenges and a different context how do you get into those conversations and sort of what what advice would you give to somebody listening other than to just get in contact with you obviously um, about working out what's right for for their company I think one thing that is so important for agencies and agency leaders to do is to listen um, and to really have an, I keep sort of using this word open, but open conversation, especially at the moment, you know, really kind of take the temperature in an open and honest way and see what, what it is that people, what people need, what are the challenges that they're facing, what would help them, how can you as an agency understand your people better and therefore provide better solutions for them i would add to that point that the ambition on the part of that agency in doing that has to be that they want to make some sort of change just like a coaching relationship if a client was to go into it and we as coaches feel like their motivation for change isn't there or their desire for change isn't there that almost certainly won't be effective. What I admire about that is the honesty of actually coaching and training can't do this job for you. You've got to be emotionally invested in trying to change something. We'll say that whilst we are not uh, working one-to-one -one in, in sort of coaching the sort of C-suite level necessarily of an agency, we are absolutely engaging with them around where where their ambitions are as an agency and that and more than that they need to be prepared that they are acting as sponsors to kind of deliver against some of the themes that might come out of these coaching dialogues that we're having with their talent whilst it might be uncomfortable in the short term the the incentive to be doing it is is that that is how you're going to unlock the answers to to make everyone feel much more comfortable and to you know um so it's it's definitely not all bad i don't want to peep feed people feeling like oh god oh, oh i don't want any of that though. that sounds miserable <laughs> you heard it here first agency people um it really isn't that bad if you go and get some co coaching so um the point is that if agencies or businesses want to implement changes or 
like address anything. They need to know what the what the issues are in the first place. Yeah. And that's what we are able to do. We are able to give them insights that maybe they aren't able to gather themselves because yeah. we are we are coming in as an objective party, raising their awareness to how people are actually feeling, what they're really thinking about their roles and how the last 15 months has affected them. Just like in a one-to-one coaching relationship, gaining that perspective and that self-awareness is is really vital in order to move things forward. And that's what we're enabling. That sounds really good. Where do you start with companies? The first thing is that we're offering a, a free consultation that really lets leaders understand what, what's going on within the agency to kind of take a temperature check, really. And we do that through consultation call and mixture of independent survey and more kind of focused one-to-one interviews to to uncover those those findings for them. Oh, that yeah, that sounds really good because as much as you are the leader of a business and you have got your finger on the pulse, it's been harder, hasn't it, to keep up with what's happening with all of your team and there's bound to be things that are either too difficult to raise and the general feeling is harder to divine and discern, isn't it? Absolutely right. I mean, it's been difficult for everyone, a huge amount of pressure put on leaders, hasn't it? And so it's only fair, I think, that we stop and, and sort of pause before you kind of push headlong and long into the next kind of phase of kind of building things back. Yeah. And, and I think that sort of that mini stop to reflect uh, is really important. Yeah, because if you're looking to change something um, and get to a really great output, you you can only really do that when you've got really good inputs, I think. A- absolutely right. Random change will bring about random results. Cool. And there's so much insight to be gained from speaking to your talent, to the people who are doing it every day. Yeah, and how that and like we've talked about, allowing them to open up in a safe environment so that they can talk about the things that matter to them the most and be heard i guess exactly. uh, so that you know everybody in the business can be in it exactly the other thing i think is that there's so much there can be a lot of value in people outside the agency yeah. asking those questions because they can, people feel freer to speak and to be sort of even it might be even slightly subconsciously but to be totally honest actually the first step is to get you guys in to have a chat to some of their people and to see um what the what the challenges are kind of a scary question as well less scary than than waiting for an unknown yeah Mm. yeah i think i think like as as humans we're we've we've become much more aware of of just how uh, uncomfortable we are with with unknowns over the last 18 months yeah there's so much uncertainty so i think to bring a bit of certainty to your business can can bring a great deal of confidence because you can feed that insights into your future ways of working your your future hires your future programs that in initiatives that you might have as a as a business that are grounded in some real truths about what your people want and that, and that is a really positive thing to hear as someone working within the organization because it demonstrates that your leadership team are really invested and committed to you as well and they have a really good understanding of of, of what it is about the yeah. agency I, I i agree with that and i think i'm reading the articles that are going around now about agencies coming back into the office and how do they do that and how do they manage that and because everybody has been apart for so long they've 
there is a drift, isn't there, I think, and there will be not everybody will know where everybody else is so maybe it's the the perfect time to actually take the plunge and and find out and deal with deal with what people find because it it won't be as bad as you think it will probably confirm some of the things that you already know and and might uh, or at least you feel without physically knowing them and it also as you say alex might give some pillars upon which you can move forward yeah it's it's an opportunity as well especially at the moment you know with with like you say people kind of going back into the office it's an opportunity to to do things in a in a slightly different and better way i i think that that makes a lot of sense to me anyway certainly fits with my view and hopes of where we will get to once we are post-pandemic i feel like there's a real opportunity, isn't there, for companies and the world of work to work in a in a different way and in a, in a new way. And so I would urge any business owner listening to this, and hi there, by the way, to, to be brave and to try and think deeply about the positive things that you really want in life and in work and how those two things can work together. And obviously to give... Emily and Alex a call or an email or a little little checkout. Thanks very much, Alex and Emily, for spending the time and talking to us about it. And I think if I could summarise what we've talked about, it's let's try and create places where more people can feel more comfortable more of the time. Nice. I like that. Jules, it's been, it's been a pleasure and thank you for having us on. It's, uh, it's a thrill. I've really enjoyed listening well, to your podcast so far. Very much. So great thanks to be like uh, a... on as a guest. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having well, us. Um, take care, guys, and maybe come back soon and let us know um, how you're getting on and share some of the, share some of the wins. That'd be great. Cheers, guys. Sounds good. Take care. Hum, not drum. Hum, not drum. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Not Drum is a content creator for working people and we make live radio shows and podcasts and whatever we're asked to really for people like you. If you want to know more about what we do, just get in touch. humnotdrum.com or julian at humnotdrum.com. Maybe speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye.